0: We continue our journey through the book of Galatians. Can I ask you a question you probably wouldn't have expected this morning? I never do that, do I? Let's take a look. How many of you remember the old television show, the old sitcom, Father Knows Best? Remember that? Yeah, yeah. It ran from 54 to 60. Uh, and it is run, it is still running today through syndication. uh, reruns Uh, and it happened it it was set in a time in America where family problems were settled in 30 minutes and I loved the show it was about a, a wise family man although sometimes he could be silly Jim Anderson his common sense wife Margaret their children Betty, Bud and Kathy it was a simpler time when it aired in our country and I love the show. Well, I bring up Father Knows Best because this morning I want to make an observation that Father Abraham knew best. Father Abraham, uh, okay, I'm going to give you a chance to go back to a simpler time. I will tell you, no motions, but if you know this song, Sing it with me. Ready? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. And I don't do the motions anymore. When you're my age and you have issues with dizziness anyway, you're not going to spin around upstage. What does Father Abraham have to do with us today? J.F. Esco made an interesting observation when he asked the question, how old is the gospel? And he pointed out that we live in a self-centered time when people do not have historical roots. By and large, many folks, I know there are those, and Ancestry.com has changed some of that, but there are a lot of folks in our culture that hardly know their family trees. They might be able to go back one, possibly two generations, but beyond that, we don't have a connection. Uh, that's just not part of who we are. And they, they point out in one sense, the false teachers in Galatia had a similar type of historical amnesia. Fasco pointed out they believed that the gospel was very recently born. It's not hard to understand why Jesus' ministry that gave birth, Jesus who was the gospel, it had only been a couple of decades old. And so for them, it's a new start. Well, Paul is going to counter that. Paul makes a a transition in our text from, remember, a couple of weeks ago when we looked at the idea that he said, these are the things that have happened to you, you were saved, You are saved. Well, he's going to move from that personal experience to something different. He wanted his readers to know that God did not devise a plan A for Israel and a plan B for Gentiles when the first plan didn't work out. And so he brings us to our text, and I want us to hear what he had to say. I'm going to ask you to stand as we look at Galatians 3, verses 6 through 9. Would you stand for just a moment? And hear the word of the Lord, and truly, both ears, all of your heart, listen. Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then, those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. all nations will be blessed through you. So, those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. I'm bringing up Father Abraham, and the artist who did this painting is is taking a snapshot, as it were, of one moment in Abraham's life when God told him, go out and look at the stars. Paul wrote to the Galatians about the way that Abraham was justified. That's what this text tells us. Now keep in mind, I know this is at the risk of sounding oversimplified, but the basic concept behind the, uh, the word justified is being made right with God. Now I know we could dig much deeper into its forensic meaning in a first century court of law, but today, I want us to focus on that simple question. How is one made right with God? And that translates for us, not just Abraham and the Galatians. Our hope to live in God's family, to be right with God, is based solely on God's plan for justification. Now, just what is that plan? Well, for us to understand that, we're going to take a look at our passage and look at several truths that Father Abraham understood. Okay, so we begin. Our first truth, we have a solid example of what it means to be made right with God. When Paul brings up Abraham, he says, I want you to listen. Now, it's important. What is he doing here? Why does he bring up Abraham? Simply put, Paul did more than call the Galatians to remember their own experience. Now that he did in Galatians 3, 1 through 5. He reminded them, you heard the gospel, you believed the gospel, and God saved you. Now, why didn't Paul just stop there? After all, he said, you came to know Christ long before the Judaizers showed up saying you've got to be circumcised. You heard what God had done. You believed in what God had done, and that was what got you saved. And that statement alone should have been enough. They shouldn't have needed anything else, but Paul knows the human heart really well, and so he's going to do something. The fact that he points to Abraham points out that what the Galatians needed was more than just experiential truth or proof of what happened to you. And folks, this is true for us as well. Just a side note. I'm a firm believer in giving your testimony for Christ. I believe in telling people this is what Christ has done for me. But there must be more. After all, the Hindu can say this is what Krishna has done for me. The Wiccan can say, this is what Gaia has done for me. So Paul is doing something very important. The Judaizers would have pointed to the Hebrew Scriptures to prove their point. They would say, what we are telling you is based on Scripture. And they would go back primarily to Moses. This is what Moses, our great lawgiver, declared. And that should be good enough for you. Well, Paul is going to use scripture as well. He's not just going to rely on their experience. He's going to take them back to the word of God. But Paul isn't going to start with Moses. He's going centuries before Moses and beginning with Abraham. And he uses a, an introductory formula. The ESV that I read from today says consider. It is translated in some other translations, just as Abraham. And the basic idea, take Abraham as an example. So he's going back to the scriptures. Now the Judaizers would use Abraham as well, but they would limit their text to Genesis 12 and Genesis 17. They would look at Genesis 12. And there they would hear, Abraham heard the call of God, he believed God, he took his family to the place God would show him. But then they would look at Genesis 17 and say, it wasn't until Abraham was circumcised that his faith was made complete and perfected. In Genesis 17, 1, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. In other words, it's not until Abraham is circumcised that he can be blameless before God. And in 17, later on in the chapter 17, we're told that Abraham was 99 when he was circumcised. So he began the journey, but he's made complete when he obeyed and became circumcised. But Paul... Isn't going to use at least at first. He's not going to use twelve or seventeen. He's looking back to Genesis fifteen six, and he shows a very different picture of Abraham. And it is simply says, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. The he who credits is God Himself. And it was by the patriarch's faith, the father of Israel, that that faith found him being accepted by God. And here's the difference between Abraham and the Judaizers. Abraham was able to believe that God could perform what he promised. And God said, you 're my righteous son, and in genesis seventeen twenty four we're told that then decades after a decade after Abraham was circumcised let's look at fifteen six and what happened uh, when the beginning of the text we are told uh, abraham had come to a place of questioning. Now, Genesis 12 tells us he went and he followed God, and he obeyed God. He wound up in the land of Hebron, in the land of Canaan, uh, and, and yet, when we come to chapter 15, he doesn't just outright tell God, you didn't tell me the truth. He's just reminding God. In 15 he says, All these years, Sarah and I have not had the child you promised. And here's where he kind of, listen, should I let Eliezer be my heir? In other words, God, are you going to keep your word or do I have to have a second plan? And at that point, God said, I want you to come outside. And Abraham walks out, and this is, that moment captured in the painting. He said, look up. And he said, can you count those stars? And there was no way possible. And God said, that is what your seed will be like. That will be your descendants. And it is at that moment when Abraham looked up and saw the stars, we are told, Abram believed God And it was credited to him as righteousness. Keep in mind, Abram's 90, Sarah's 80. My mom was 42 when my youngest brother was, when my only brother was born, but the youngest of their children. 18 years after I had been born, the youngest. And everybody's reaction to mom being expectant was the same thing. You're kidding. It's going to be another 10 years before the child is born. It was impossible, folks. And I know they lived long times, but folks, people that age did not have children. It was impossible, but Abram looks up and he believes. God, what you've promised will become true. Now, there will be some other struggles for Abraham's faith along the way. But God said, what looks impossible for a human, I can handle. And Abram believed. Now, what does this have to to do with you and me? When Paul is saying, consider Abraham, that word still comes to us, consider Abraham. Take Abraham as your example. But folks, the reality for us is God graciously has offered many examples of what it means to be righteous in his word. How people came to the place of believing God and fulfilled their call. Yes, we have Abram. And and at that moment in time, he's still just Abram. He's not the father of nations yet. He believes. But let me just go real quickly through a roll call. How about Joseph? Who dreamed dreams he probably should have kept to himself. But he liked telling his brothers, I had another dream. And what do they do? They beat him, they sell him into slavery, and he disappears. But what Joseph understood was expressed when his brothers finally made their way to him and found out who he was. And he expressed his faith. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. So Joseph is thrown in jail after he's already a slave. He's thrown in jail for a crime he didn't commit. And he rises to a height of power in Egypt no one would have expected. Why? Because he believed the promise of God. How about Joshua? And I've mentioned it before. I had a friend who uh, followed a pastor. who had been pastor in that church for 25 years. Uh, the four years I knew Paul, all he was ever hearing was, Brother Martin doesn't do it that way. Can you imagine following Moses? So God tells Joshua, Don't be afraid. I will not fail you. I will be with you. And Joshua becomes this mighty man of faith and strength and believing God. And then Jeremiah that I have a soft spot for because God called him early. I received my call into ministry at the age of 15. But When Jeremiah, and if you read the book, there are a lot of times he's struggling with faith. But God gave him a promise that he held on to that ultimately saw him through. Joshua, uh, Jeremiah, don't be worried about how old you are. Before you were ever born, I called you. And I had a purpose for you. And we can find person after person who chose to believe God when everything to their credible, rational human minds would say, no, don't do that. They trusted and achieved their call. Why does God do this? Why did he give us Abram? Why do we have that story? Why do we have all these wonderful stories of people of faith? Because God knows us. He knows how easy it is for us to lose hope. (coughs) He knows that we can be overcome with doubt when adversity shows up, when there are struggles and there are pains. And there are wars and rumors of war. He knows our struggle and he knows. I'm pretty certain that I could almost guarantee 100% of the people here today, there are times in our lives when life is not what we expected. We would say with the Galatians, is my faith really enough? Do I really know the Lord? And it's at this point we turn to these examples. In the Word of God, we believe it to be inspired by God. And knowing how God has worked among His people gives us an assurance to hold on to in our own lives. When we find ourselves in battle, when we find ourselves in difficulty. We cannot we don't only have to look at what we've experienced, we look at this great hall of fame of faith. I encourage you, write down Hebrews eleven, and then this week, every day this week, read the eleventh chapter of Hebrews. We need it we need the affirmation of Scripture to strengthen us. And when we struggle with our own failures and doubts, we can see how God credited Abraham as righteous through his faith even though Abraham struggled with that faith. We can see how Joseph was given faith to believe and move on, even though he sometimes would grow as impatient with Israel as Moses did. We can see how Joshua had the courage to move forward. We can see how Jeremiah accomplished his call. God will give us his strength. But part of what we need, surprise, Brother Danny saying we need the word one more time we need to be students of the word to find those examples but more than example scripture shows us something even better because in our next truth we have scripture that says the means of justification has always been part of God's plan. And that scripture gives to us the word, its word, its promise. Justification has always been a part of God's plan. Now you need to hold on. Angel pointed out, I'm pretty certain none of us are Hebrew This plays an important truth for us. It's always been part of God's plan. You see, Paul pointed to the Hebrew Scriptures as proof of God's intention to save Gentiles. The Judaizers said you have to become a Jew before you can become a Christian. And Paul says, no, we're going to take a look again back at the Word of God. What did it declare? And Paul says the Word, the Hebrew Scriptures, Our Bible, and keep in mind, when Paul was preaching, that's all the Bible they had. The New Testament hadn't been gathered together yet. Some of it, when Paul had been writing, hadn't even been written yet. And we see this promise in Abraham, the last part of chapter 12, verse 3. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's important, folks. The Judaizers would look at that and say, well, we can answer that. All people will be blessed through you who believe and are circumcised, who are the descendants of, of Abraham. And if you have faith and do the law, you're going to be, it's going to be great. But Paul is saying that's not what this text says at all. Paul said in this statement, God preached the gospel to Abraham in advance. I like somebody said, this is the gospel before the gospel. Now, we don't know for sure the dates. Some people date Abraham to 22 B.C., the 22nd century B.C., excuse me. Some say, no, it was probably the 17th century B.C. We don't have a calendar to look it up. And people will make their educated guesses. But the reality is, whether it's the 22nd century or the 17th century, this is thousands of years before Christ was even born to live the perfect life, to die on the cross, to be raised from the dead. And God was telling Abraham, I am going to justify Gentiles the same way I've justified Abram, by faith. Faith was the means that God used to justify Abraham. Faith is the means that God would use to justify the Gentiles. All those, Paul said, who had faith are children of Abraham. So we are Abraham's sons and daughters, by faith. We have come to trust. And I want you to understand how, how important this is. The promise of justification by faith is not a doctrine of wishful thinking. It is not a doctrine of wishful thinking. Let's be honest. There are people out there in the world who look at what we do on a day like today and what we live our lives based on and they will say about you and I, they will say, You're deluded. You're believing a lie. And many of them will say, there is no God. There is no salvation. We're here. We die. It's over. Move on. Just forget about it. You're living a lie. But there are also those out there in the world that say, well, maybe there is a God. And maybe there is a place of peace after this life. But to get there, you have to earn it. You have to have the right rituals. You have to follow the right path. And once you've done what you should do according to our writings, then you have hope. But when we look at this idea, justification by faith, keep in mind that means we don't earn it. We are made right with God by trusting in what God has done And said, and the gospel is not. Now, I know as Baptists and I've talked about this also, we consider people who are liberal who are one step to the left of us. But the truly liberal will say, Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. Paul came preaching Jesus and Paul invented the gospel. Paul messed everything up. Just forget Paul. Look at what Jesus taught and you're fine. Well, we look here and God is the one who made the gospel. God is the one who created the faith by which we can live. God is the one who supplied the sacrifice that would make it possible for us. And it is the trust It is the hope of everyone who has faith that we receive the gracious hand of God through Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we will understand what Jesus meant when He said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so, applying this in the crazy world in which you and I live, when I take a look at this truth, we can draw strength from knowing God's plan has always been about justification by faith. And that gives us reason for great joy because we just couldn't do it. We can give it a good shot. We can give it a good try. But then that moment rises when we strike out in anger. That moment rises when we fail to show love, that moment rises when temptation comes and instead of looking for the way to escape we jump in into the deep water we can't do it on our own we have reason for hope we can't prove it now understand me there is not a mathematical problem I could give that would make everybody say oh now I see I see Blaise Pascal was a 17th century a French philosopher, theologian, and physicist, uh, and a mathematician at it on, a truly brilliant brain in a work that was published after his death, Ponce's thoughts, his collection of, of ideas, Pascal talked about a wager. he said it's a wager that every person on earth must make, and that wager is, does God exist? or not, and you don't have a choice, you will, by living, choose to believe God is real or He is not. And he said, so we need to make a good choice. And we look at all of the the, the things that would tell us that God is here and real, and we look at those things that God is not, and basically Pascal said, you need to choose to believe He is. Pascal did. Pascal was a man of faith. And he basically said, it's a wager we can't avoid. Everyone will have to answer this question one way or the other. They may not articulate it. He said, for me, I choose to believe. Now, I don't think we can prove God. I think we can say some things and the the so-called proofs of God may get open a door of discussion, but eventually, folks, we have to trust. I can't prove the word of uh, the will of God or the that He's true, but I believe as I take a look at the scripture and what God has promised and what God has shown us, at the age of eight, I put my faith in, that God does exist, and he has met me through Christ. And that promise of God clenches it for me. I choose to believe God's promise. And with that choice, I found what it means to be part of the family of God. Now, I'm a very different person than when I was at the age of eight. Obviously. But the faith of God instilled in my life and gave me in Christ is the faith that allows me to keep moving forward and trusting. And I can point and say, this has always been God's plan. God never expected anybody to be able to earn their way to Him. The writer of Hebrews says, the blood of bullocks cannot bring salvation in itself. But the sacrifice of the perfect son made life possible. So, I'm not crossing my fingers hoping that it all works out. By faith, I live in the, through Christ, in Christ. And that brings us to one more promise. And this is Such a joyful statement. God has shown us what it means to live by faith and trust Him. God has said, and that is the plan by which I justified Abraham, and I'm going to justify you. But at the end of it all, our final truth, we have a promise that points to the result of following God's plan. We have a promise. What happens when you trust? What happens when you put your faith in what Christ accomplished on the cross and the empty tomb? What becomes of you? And Paul stated pretty clearly. Paul declared that those who had faith shared in the blessing of Abraham. In verse 7. He assured his readers. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. And the verse, understand, is built on people are divided. How to translate that one word. And the thing in the original text, they look alike. You can translate this as an imperative, a command. He may be telling the Galatians, Understand this. Know this. That's what I'm commanding you. But it can also be an indicative. A simple statement of fact, faith. The particular letters match up. And so, he may not be commanding them to believe. He may be saying, you already know this. You know this. Now, the truth is, Whichever way it comes out, imperative or indicative, Paul was declaring this truth they were supposed to know. All who have faith are Abraham's descendants. Those who have the same characteristic of faith that Abraham had are his children. Those who rely on faith like Christ. What's happening Paul is telling the Galatians, Abraham is the norm of what it means to have faith and be justified. He is showing the way for all those who will come after. Trust God. And so, by trusting, he Paul is saying, those who have faith have the blessing of Abraham. Like their father, they were blessed by God. When someone says, how you doing? And people react people will tell me, oh, I'm blessed. And I just want to ask them what they mean. Because I want to see if they really understand or if they're just jumping into the jargon of the day. What does this mean? Let's think about this. God tells Abram, go to the place I'm going to show you. Trust me. Leave everything behind. Follow me. And I am going to make you the father of nations. I'm going to bless you beyond anything reasonable, I'm going to do something in your life that is absolutely amazing. Now, I like someone summarizes what that means for Abram by pointing to a passage of Scripture centuries after Abraham lived that I have quoted many, many times as our benediction. Found in number six. It is a blessing of Aaron. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. When Abraham believed God and trusted him, God said, these are the things I will do for you. Now, he didn't give him a list, but he showed him throughout the way he guided his life. First of all, God was going to nurture and protect Abram and his family. And there's a point in time when Abram does a very brave thing to go rescue his, his Nephew Lot, and then he's all of a sudden afraid. There are going to be consequences. God said, I'm your shield. Don't be afraid. He would give God to Abram the unmerited favor of God. I am giving my grace to you. I'm accepting your faith as righteousness. You have trusted. and My grace is given to you. And it is in that blessing of Justification by faith, Abraham found peace with God. So if we trust as Abraham, God will nurture, protect, give us grace, give us peace. And this is why Paul said in verse 9, So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. But this is where that's, that's the huge promise. We are justified by faith. That's, Amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Dying. But there's something else in this text. When God says, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to use you to bless the whole world. What does that mean? Not only are we made right by faith, but we also point to, to that truth, for others. We will continue a long line of descendants of Abraham. We trust God. We have faith in what he's done in Christ. We are Abraham's children. And you can be as well. When I look at that, we, we point, what do I mean? What am I talking about? What in this text gives you that idea? Like Abraham of old, we can become a source of blessing to this world. That's the reality. That's the application. Now let's go back to this meaning. God said, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. And then he said, All nations of the world are going to be blessed through you. Israel was always meant to be a blessing to the world, a light to Gentiles. That was God's plan. That was God's purpose. And that was an exclamation point. He's right. God's plan and God's purpose was always, Abraham, I'm not just going to save you and your natural descendants. I am going to use you to bless the entire world. So I believe it is not a stretch to understand that Paul is at least implying just as God intended to bless the world through Abraham and his descendants, he intends to bless the world through us. How will it happen? How can God use us to bless the world? We remember what Israel forgot. God took their calling and said, we are called by God, you are not. And they looked down upon the rest of the world, all the while forgetting that God said, I want you to bless the world. We are chosen to shine the light of this message to a world. I believe that this does mean, like Abraham of old, we can become a source of blessing to the world in which we live. We have been blessed by God and He is calling us to now go out and bless the world. People are hungry and looking for answers. They may have had their fill and they don't want to have anything to do with organized religion. Let's not worry about that to begin with. Let's focus on they're hungry. They need hope. And that hope can be found in Jesus Christ. We have this hope of becoming part of God's family. The hope of being made right with God. And we need to be sharing that. Folks, we need to be giving our lives, sharing our faith, opening our hearts. Do you remember that I have told you in the past God didn't save you just to get you into heaven? Do you understand that reality? Salvation is not a one-way trip to heaven. Forget everybody else. Throughout the Word of God, we are told you are to bless the world. Jesus said, you will be my witnesses when the Spirit of God has come upon you. We need to be sharing the blessing. I hunted long and hard before I could finally find someone to attribute what I'm going to share with you. Whitney Montgomery. It took a while to find anything other than anonymous author. But I want you to listen. And be prepared to respond to what God is saying. I knelt to pray when day was done and prayed, Oh Lord, bless everyone. Lift from each saddened heart the pain and let the sick be well again. And then I woke another day and carelessly went on my way. The whole day long, I did not try to wipe a tear from any eye. I did not try to share the load of any brother on the road. I did not even go to see the sick man just next door to me. Yet once again, when day was done, I prayed, O Lord, bless everyone. But as I prayed into my ear, there came a voice that whispered clear. Pause now, my son, before you pray. Whom have you tried to bless today? God's sweetest blessing always go by hands that serve him here below. And then I hid my face and cried, Forgive me, God. I have not tried. but Let me live another day. And I will live the way I pray. God is calling us to make a difference. Not just in this church, but in this world. And when we need it and we're struggling, we can look at Abram and see the promise. It's not what we have accomplished that gets us saved. It is the grace of God made real by faith, justified by faith. When we come to understand that, then we come to truly gather what God is wanting to say to us. And we can look and see this has always been God's plan and it's still the way He touches lives today. And When I understand that and I yield myself to that, then I can become a blessing to a world. Today, most of us in this building have professed faith in We have opened our hearts to what he did on Calvary and in the empty tomb. and God came into our lives, justified us, made us whole. Now what? As we hold on to the promise seen in Abraham, the promise in the word, now what? We start looking around us. Because there are people who are out in the world right now who are living where you once lived. Without God. Without hope. Without faith. And God has chosen to let His light shine through the lives of those He has blessed.